everyone. Welcome or welcome back to the latest episode of the CS School podcast, where we speak with CS professionals from all over the world, learning about the hottest topics in customer success by stripping them back to basics and discovering how best to apply these strategies. This episode is brought to you by Vitaly, the all-in-one customer success platform. Take a qualified demo with the Vitaly team and get a free pair of AirPods. Vitaly maximizes the productivity, visibility, and collaboration of your CS team, helping increase NRR and streamline operations. With Vitaly, your team can focus on the tasks and work that matter, while powerful automation takes care of the routine stuff. See why Vitaly is trusted by leading B2B CS teams by visiting vitaly.io forward slash CSE today to schedule your demo and get your AirPods. But let's get stuck in. Hi, everyone. For those who don't know, I'm Grace Gupta, and I'm the copywriter here at Customer Success Collective. Now, joining me on the podcast is Carlos Quesada, VP of Customer Experience, Strategy, Automation and Enablement at Aruba, part of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Now, Carlos is an immensely experienced executive with over 22 years of experience working in successful startups and global organizations. He is an expert in leveraging big data and machine learning methodologies to both increase efficiencies and create value-added service opportunities. So with someone with a ton of CS experience, it would be highly remiss not to quiz Carlos on the future of customer success, the next stage, if you will. Now, enough of that. Let's get on with the episode, shall we? Hey, Carlos, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me on the CS School podcast today. Hey, Grace, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, really excited because you're going to be speaking at our... uh, event in San Francisco, the Customer Success Festival on the 19th and 20th of September. Um, And this episode really is really excited for it because you're talking, your session is about, I guess, prepare the the next, the evolution of customer success. Um, I think, I think I've got that right. But this episode is really going to be getting into how we can prepare, we customer success uh, managers, how we can prepare for the next phase of customer success. Um, but before we get into it, um, if we're going, you know, we're going to be looking at the evolution of customer success. You know, the shift in uh, the shift in the customer success mindset is something that's very, very interesting to me, and I'm really quite keen to hear what you've got to say about that. The future of customer success, um, and yeah, so a really, really exciting episode. Um, but before we kick off, can we actually go into a little bit about the evolution of your customer success career? Um, could you let Could you let our listeners know? you know, describe your journey, how you've ended up here at HP. What's, what's the story? Yeah. First of all, I, I'm, I'm equally excited, um, you know, for this event. I think that, you know, uh, I think, you know, we, we had a kind of a slowdown, the pandemic and getting together. I think that's a thing of the past now. And so super excited to, to, to see my CS people uh, again, and super excited to have the opportunity to kind of talk about a lot of things that have happened since then and how it's really changed uh, the way that we think about customer success. So, so yeah, a little bit about my journey. Uh, You know, my background is in services support. Uh, I uh, I have a network engineering background. And so I I worked in a lot of uh, companies uh, initially as um, pre-sales engineering, post-sales engineering, and eventually tech support and worked at a number of startups for most of my career. And eventually uh, that support role, it did evolve into what today we recognize as customer success. I think a lot of my customer success peers out there would agree that many of us come from either a sales or services background that has evolved and pushed us into this space of customer success. And 
many of us have even said, you know, we've kind of already been doing this already, but we didn't know it had a name. And so my background, again, is I, I ran uh, global support organizations for a number of startups and also worked at a couple of startups where we did big data analytics, machine learning, and automation. And so I feel that about six years ago when I joined Aruba, um, my role at Aruba was to come in and Aruba Networks was to uh, come in and be kind of the behind the curtain team to take a look at how we can go in and drive automation and efficiencies and service delivery. And as part of the discovery to, to actually um, deliver that work, we eventually got into this transformation phase for the company. And what I always tell people is, I don't consider myself a customer success leader. I feel like customer success was the outcome of the transformation that the company went through. And so the customer success capabilities and the customer success team was a product of the work that we did to understand the install base, the data, the engagement models, and recognize that we had to engage with customers in a whole new different way than we had traditionally in the you know, hardware and support contract world. So been at Aruba now for about, uh, or I've been, I was at Aruba for about five years. And as of January of this year, um, my team got lifted and shifted and is now part of the bigger Hewlett Packard Enterprise Company. So for those of you that are may not be aware, Aruba Networks was acquired by HPE about seven years ago and has kind of stayed somewhat independent for the most part from a brand perspective. And so we had a little bit, or actually I had a lot more autonomy when I was at Aruba building out the customer success program. And I always tell people, I kind of joke, I feel like a CEO who actually just sold this company because a lot of the work that we did at Aruba um, is now something that got us to really get promoted and bring it over to the much bigger organization because they're looking for us to do for HPE what we had done traditionally at Aruba for the last five to six years. So really excited about the new challenge. Um, and, you know, obviously now it's kind of like the put up or shut up. We built up some stuff over on the Aruba side and now we're going to replicate it, but in a much bigger scale, you know, just for context, right? Aruba is about a four and a half billion dollar company. HPE is about a $40 billion company. So it, you know, I, I look at what we did at Aruba almost like the incubation for what we're about to do on the HPE side. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Really interested to know that, um, to hear that you've, you didn't hire for customer success. It was, it was a, almost a byproduct, like the, re, the things you were doing actually turned out to be customer success, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always tell people, um, you know, it was never my intent to 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 build a customer success team. We were addressing key challenges when we started kind of uncovering, uh, you know, the the information around our subscription install base. You know, we obviously, you know, we're looking at churn, and what we recognized very quickly is that we had been treating these subscription customers no different than the perpetual business. They would buy a subscription, and we wouldn't talk to them until it was time for renewal. Right. Mm. The trouble is, is that. You can't do that in a subscription world, right? And, you know, many of my peers will say that one of the most important times for a customer in the SaaS business is the onboarding. If you get onboarding right and you and you accelerate the time to value, then the chance of them renewing is going to be high. Um, because of the way that the product was developed, um, customers could use part of the product without activating the subscription. And so one of the things that we uncovered was that one of the key reasons for churn was customers were not activating their subscriptions. Right. And what the subscription in our case does is it gives you centralized cloud management of, of the of the products of the hardware. And so customers were, you know, managing the hardware in the traditional way, kind of on-prem locally as opposed to leveraging the cloud capabilities. 
And so what we uncovered was, you know, when you took a look at the top reasons for churn, non-activation was one of the key drivers. So we're like, well, if we drive an activation and onboarding campaign, we can go and address that. The other reason that customers were churning is that they were activating, but they weren't getting any notification that the subscription was about to expire. So it just expired. So that's why I say we kind of, and again, it just because the business itself wasn't used to this new model. So they were just treating it like a support contract business. Sell a support contract and we'll call you when it's time to renew. Mm. And so um, we basically created an what we now know as the onboarding program. And we created what we call a T minus four, which is four months previous to expiration, we start the proactive communication motions. Again, not knowing we were creating a customer success program, not knowing that, that there was actually a science behind this. I say we started at the bookends of the journey. And as we started going along, we started collapsing in and eventually ended up with kind of an end-to-end -end engagement model, which is now customer success. That's so interesting to me. Um, yeah, I mean, even based on our introduction call, I was really excited to hear more about what you've got to say because it's like, I feel like what you've just described about uh, your time as a you know your time as a Ruber, how you, it adapted to SaaS, and it sort of it feels like a parallel. Like how do how does customer success as a wider function, how does it adapt to you know the current times? So it right. kind of leads me on to wanting to really pick your brain about something. Like how can you explain to our listeners and for me as well <laughs> how um how was CS in your eyes, how has it evolved um, to where I guess we find ourselves now, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, that's a really, really good point. Uh, I would say I I have not been a, a traditional CS leader, right? I would say mm -hmm. um, on the heels of what I just described, you know, what we were doing was essentially a science project. There was no funding behind it. We knew that there was a need. And so it's not like I had budget to go and hire, you know, 15 or 20 CSMs, right? At the time yeah. we had about, I would say five, it was pretty early in the product cycle. So we had probably about 5,000 customers, um, you know, and so, you know, in any, in any given CSM organization, you know, based on the portfolio size, I probably would have needed anywhere from five to seven CSMs because it's a global, global footprint to address that install base. But you know, I didn't have the budget to hire five to seven CSMs. And so in actuality, my first hire was a person who could help me with the data, which my CS ops lead. Um, and so we spent a lot of time trying to look at what the data was telling us, right? Where are the customers? How much are they spending? We created our first version of segmentation so that we can create these alternate engagement models where we can say, look, what we recognize at that point is 96% of the business was a digital motion target, right? Digital motion cohort justify assigning a CSM because they weren't spending enough. But yeah. that 96% of the install base was about 50% of their product revenue. So we knew we had to go through a digital first motion. So I wasn't really worried about hiring CSMs initially, right? Hmm. But as things evolved, we knew that as we started going up the engagement pyramid, we would have to come up with a CSM model. And so uh, going back to your question, I think that the times have actually forced a lot of this change. So the reason I started with that was because initially when I started, you know, exchanging notes with my CS peers, I was actually criticized quite heavily that what I was building really? was not a customer success program. It was more of a tech support program because, um, you know, the feedback I was getting is you can't have a customer success program unless you have CSM is driving portfolio and end-to-end lifecycle management. 
And my response was, well, I can't afford it, right? These customers are spending $1,000 a year on subscriptions because the context here is the customer buys hardware and then you buy a subscription to cloud enable that hardware. So most of the revenue we're getting is coming from the hardware component. Mm. From a subscription perspective, this, the, the license itself is a lot smaller revenue than oh. the hardware pull through, right? And so from a subscription perspective, um, the dollar value wasn't there to justify pulling in and then having a human being. And if you yeah. take a look at the CSM to customer ratio, I'd probably end up with like a thousand customers per CSM, right? So yeah. that wasn't going to scale either. So um, again, I was I was criticized initially, um, and and so it's interesting because I feel like we did a really good job of of evolving our digital first approach to CS, right? And we had yeah. great success, and um, you know, got the TSIA finalist award and all that stuff for the work that we did there. But when pandemic hit. Many of my my peers who had built out the human first organizations were now faced with you know budget retraction, but still had the need to go and engage with all of these customers, but they didn't have the CSMs to do it anymore, and so that really put a lot of pressure on the industry to start thinking about you know do we really need to have CSMs for all of our accounts, and so I actually found myself having conversations with many of my colleagues. Uh, just exchanging notes and and giving them feedback and suggestions on kind of how we'd done it, right? And then eventually we started seeing you know more uh, more research from TSIA around you know this concept of a digital engagement model for CS. And so for us, it was something that we'd been doing for two to three years already, but yet right. the industry yeah. was just starting to pick up. And it's interesting because I feel like like we've started backwards. So we start with a digital first approach, and we were we're just now trying to introduce CSMs, right? But uh, what I would say is, um, as I started thinking about <clears throat> when we were building this program, I knew that in order for me to consider this done, I needed to develop at least three capabilities. One was obviously the digital approach. Two is I, I was really opposed with the, to the traditional CSM model where I'm just going to give so many accounts to CSM and it's their job to go in and and, and, and just nurture them. And so early on, we created what I call the CSM SWARM model, which is instead of having CSMs dedicated to an account, I would give, you know, 50% of the CSM's time would be assigned to key accounts. 25% of their time was to um, what we call um, uh, digital engagement kind of uh, um, uh, fallout, meaning that as we engage with customers digitally, they always have an option to speak to a person. And so when they get when they get the videos, they get the emails, or they're engaging in platform, they can always click on click on the link and actually schedule a call with the CSM right then and there. And so I needed to make sure that the CSMs had enough free time to be available for those calls, right? And so that's so half of their time is on their portfolio. Twenty five percent of the time is available for those fallout calls, and then the other twenty five percent is we would be going and 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 looking at the data and uncovering essentially um, uh, what I, we would call incubation initiatives, meaning that, hey, we're seeing that in North America for this particular segment, onboarding is a laggard or, for, or, or there's a high potential for churn in this particular segment. We would then put together pilots and then the CSMs would engage in driving the engagement for those pilots as well. So the CSMs were kind of multifaceted. They they were doing lifecycle management for strategic accounts, 
But you know, right now we have an install base of now 19,000 customers and I have eight CSMs. And so all the onboarding is happening digitally mm -hmm. and the CSMs are now working on strategic accounts. We're enabling a lot more on the sales side. So the sales are now um, consuming some of the insights that we have on their accounts and allowing them to better manage those top tier accounts. And then we're doing the Swarm CSM model so that everybody has an opportunity to speak to CSM, but it's not something where we're, at, we're proactively scheduling monthly calls with every single customer. So like I said, going back to my three deliverables, we knew we needed to scale CS. So we did a digital first in the Swarm model. We also knew that um, we needed to do the partner program. So we, have, we, we are a three tier distribution company. So what we actually did is we created a customer success partner program where partners or our, our sales partners or resellers are actually acting as customer success on our behalf. And so we've actually uh, built out a maturity engagement model where you know, we assess their readiness to be able to do this. They actually sit inside of our CS automation tool and all of the digital comms are actually white labeled as the partners going into their customers. And the partners are the ones that are driving the CSM motions. And then I have a PSM who's managing multiple partners. So it's an economy of scale. So I have one PSM managing about 15 to 20 partners, which represent about 120, 140 customers that are typically high touch. Right. Wow. That sounds, uh, thank you for sharing that. That was so interesting for me to like, to properly gauge where you're at. Cause we are on our, on our introduction call. I was so fascinated by the sort of the way that customer success, I think had developed in your in your organization so thank you for putting context into that for me um i'm really interested in um really interested in knowing like this is where I, you know you mentioned about the pandemic and how obviously people did end up going to a digital first approach how do you think um do you think there's been a shift in sort of the mindset of customer success do you you know in 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 your experience have you noticed anything that's um perhaps change somewhat i know i've I, I, I changed quite a lot but sorry you know i i i am probably going to be highly criticized and maybe this is going to be somewhat controversial oh. but i welcome the conversation right um i feel like customer success has been around long enough now where i think people are starting to understand what it is and what it's not mm. and i actually feel that there were, there were instances where companies wanted to jump on the customer success bandwagon so quickly that it's actually given CS the bad name. And, and what I mean by that is I've seen many customer success organizations which are really either an extension of sales or even an extension of support just rebranded as customer success. And so... What I then this is my personal perspective, right? I've, I've I've talked to some colleagues and they tend to agree with me, but I don't think anybody's out there openly talking about this. I feel that there are like it's those types of motions that have given CS a bad name because you know, especially when you're always facing that challenge of trying to engage an account that's already managed by a salesperson, they have a hard time articulating the value of this new resource that's now going to engage with the account. Well. Why are you in my account? Like I already managing it. What are you doing here type of thing? And so I feel like it's very important that if you're going to take the leap and be a CS leader, it does take a bit of a backbone. It does take a bit of making sure that you're bold 
and that you understand what it is you're trying to what it is trying to do by by creating this customer success function, right? Because indirectly you're driving the transformation of this company, right? Everybody hears the whole cliche: customer success is not a department, mm-hmm. but it's a philosophy. The only way that works is if everybody understands what their role in customer success is. And so I feel that as an industry, you know, some new organizations that are now thinking about, well, maybe we should start a CS org. Yeah. I'm starting to see a lot of opposition going, well, we don't need it. Like, why do we need it? And and and, and they point at examples where customer success has been done wrong. And, and I feel like, unfortunately, that kind of gives everybody a bad name. Like I've yeah. seen it myself, right? And so, you know, I actually don't want to be known as a customer success leader because I feel like we get put in those in those buckets. You know, unfortunately, there are CS leaders out there who end up, and, and again, this is the controversial part. I feel like there are some CS leaders out there who are really sales puppets, right? They end up having to yeah. be a supporting element to sales and then they never really evolve beyond that. And and the, I would say the most unfortunate part is that there's also, I would say, a cohort of folks. Well, they'll go and they'll start customer success at a company. They'll be there for two years and they'll do it again. And they'll move to another company and do it again. And that's kind of what their evolution of their CS career is. But mm-hmm. but in full transparency and full honesty, how do you know that what you did actually worked? Because you would have had to have your customers that yeah. purchased while you were there actually renew and so if you left before you actually saw the output of it, and how do you know that that worked? And now you're going to go do that again in a new company, right? Hmm. And that's why for me, it was so important for me to kind of see this through. And before I called, you know, this thing done, I wanted to make sure that we actually had done this long enough. We've been doing that for five years. We've built out the partner program. We've built out the monetization. So that's the other piece, right? So hmm. we needed to scale customer success. We need to monetize it, and then we need to go in and 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 leverage the partner community to deliver it. And so, over the fa- past, you know, five or six years, that's what we've accomplished. And we, you know, I'm not saying that we're the best at it, but we do have a lot of lessons learned, and I think we have some areas of expertise where we're really good. And it's funny; I feel like the weakest part on my team is actually the CSM engagement, because we've never really done it. Right? Uh, I would say right now my CSM engagement model only happens if a customer pays for it, but I don't sell the customer success managers standing in those queue. I've embedded it as part of my advanced service program. So people can't opt out of it. And so when you buy an advanced service program, the cost of that program covers the cost of a CSM. Right. So interesting. So I guess you have to, you know, I'm obviously, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a lay, layman. So excuse me for my being a bit of a <laughs> philistine. You have obviously have to be at a certain stage, a certain maturity in your CS uh, function to be able to monetize it. And I guess is that, I guess the natural step then for, would you say for most successful CS orgs? I think it's definitely part of, it needs to be part of your roadmap, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, you have to figure out how you're going to, you know, how you're going to sustain the CS organization. How is it going to be funded? Right. So what's the business model? Like, how do you validate or how do you justify the cost of a CSM? Right. And there's different models that we've actually gone through and we've looked at and have even evolved that. Right. And so I actually have multiple models. Like I said, I have the monetized model where the CSMs are actually part of the advanced service programs to fund it that way. But then when you don't have that, then during that part of your maturity, the CSMs are probably going to either be funded kind of as a, as a science project by either a sales yeah. or service organization. But ultimately, in order to become a sustainable organization, 
you have to demonstrate value. And so some of the opportunities are, if you can prove that the customer success organization is reducing your total customer acquisition costs, then the savings in customer acquisition cost is what would fund your team, right? So, for example, if it if it if if it takes sales fifteen percent of every dollar to go in and close a renewal, or even an upsell, and you can do it for ten percent, and that five percent delta is actually what funds your team, you would expect that CS could drive in the existing install base account growth on its own without any net new customers. And it's that model that actually funds the CSM while the sales, this is the whole farm don't hunt model. The sales are going to be incentivized to bringing in new logos, but mm. the CSMs are going to be funded based on the expansion they bring in through the lifecycle engagements, right? Um, so there are different models. Um, and again, I would say that when you, the first thing that you have to do when you're going to create a customer success program is understand what's the charter of the team. And what I would say is, is that, you know, based on, you know, my personal research and observation is um, there's a couple of there's a couple of key, I would say, questions that will help you understand what your model should look like. Mm. What I would say is if you take a look at the complexity of your product yeah. and the maturity of the product. Right. So if the if the product is super easy to use and it's been around for a while then the focus of your CSMs isn't so much on onboarding and retention. It's probably more of like, not they bought it and they installed it, let's go sell them more. So mm. in that model where your product complexity is low and the maturity of the product is pretty high, then that's where a sales-driven CS organization is probably better suited because okay. you don't need help with onboarding. It's really easy to use. You download yeah. it, you bought it, like yeah. Adobe Creative Cloud, for example, right? I download it, I can start using it, but I'm going to be getting phone calls or emails about these other solutions that I haven't tried yet, right? It's going to be a much more expansion-focused customer success organization. Cool. But if it's a net new product, highly complex, right, then at that point, your CS organization is probably better suited to be on the services side because you're going to be spending a whole lot more time in onboarding and accelerating mm -hmm. the time value. And so at that point, the charter of your team is onboarding and retention. And in that situation, your CSMs are not quoted carrying. They're sitting under 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 support to try to deflect any any you know incoming support calls, but also to drive the adoption, the stickiness of the product, because in the long run that will secure the renewal. Thank you for that. That's really yeah. That's actually that really like illuminated a lot for me because I was thinking, what is the next stage? Like what what the you end? Know, what do where do customer success teams go? you know what, how how do they expand because you know obviously there's a you know cs is, is you know traditionally treated a bit of like a cost center and they don't you know actually it can drive revenue but it's really interesting anyway really, really interesting here to hear from you how that can actually be done and, and, and here's and here's the opportunity for the shameless plug right so one of the things that i'm going to be talking about on stage at the event is really what's that next step in the evolution right and so i won't get into it too much to not kind of be repetitive mm -hmm. But what I will say is that the industry has been around long enough that we're starting to see even the evolution of a CS leader, right? And I would say that those organizations that have been successful at being more than just an extension of sales mm. are now actually at the point where they've done a really good job in convincing the company about the customer success capabilities 
Yeah. And so those are now starting to show up across the entire company, not just as one department they used to be called customer success, right? Yeah. So I'll leave it there. I'll talk more about yeah. that on stage. But that's where I see, right? For those organizations that have been around for a while and, and have kind of figured it out, there's this whole new kind of world now being unlocked where we're, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll throw myself on that, where now we're being brought to the table to see how we can leverage some of the same framework for other parts of the organization. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait for this session. Um, it really like a bit of a tease, but it's going to be definitely worth the wait. <laughs> I was um, I was also thinking, just off the back of that, um, talking about how, you know, the next step and uh, what it's like for, you know, internally, what it's like for a CSM or other parts of the organization, you know, actually, actually genuinely sort of putting in place the sort of customer success philosophy you know really putting it in practice across the whole business but how do you think that change how do you think this this shift this sort of next you know next step up how does that impact do you think the customer because we've kind of talked about it from an internal perspective but what do you see the knock-on effect of being you know the, the, the you know the person that actually matters how do you think this change is going to affect that, that's actually part of that evolution that I was talking about, where there's this convergence between customer success and also customer experience, mm. right? Because if you think about it, we went from having this white glove, you know, I'm here to, I'm here to help you. I'm your one person to help you with everything. Okay. So now we can't do that for everybody. So we're having to force a more digital motion first, mm. and then you become available if that doesn't work. Mm. Um, but also I would say is that, because of kind of the retraction and the resources available on the CS side, there's also much more of a dependency of a tighter integration between the account management team and the CS, depending on where the customer fits on the engagement pyramid. And so there's an opportunity to relinquish a lot more account ownership to the account executive at the higher tiers, because you don't have enough CSMs to yeah. go in and get every account. So why not take the insights and the richness of data you have about that account and make it available to the to the salesperson who's probably already taking the customer out to lunch every quarter or whatever and empower them with the information that a CSM would normally deliver during an MVR or QBR, right? Mm -hmm. So you're now bringing the CS capabilities and empowering sales to do it without having a CSM engage. But then you identify what's the segment or the watermark in the install base where that relationship manager ceases to exist, then that becomes kind of the sweet spot for the CSMs to really engage, right? And so at the end, as you're doing all of this, being mindful of what this means from an experience perspective from the customer, making, you know, being able to do this without making the customer feel like they're just continuously being handed off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Um, that was that was brilliant. That was thank you. For, that's I'm just just actually soaking it all in. I think um I guess CSMs, you touched on this just, just now in your response, but I guess just to just to sort of clarify, I guess what CSMs and in or in an organization, you know, so let's think take, I don't know, somebody who a CSM who's in an organization and yeah, their their company is perhaps looking to make this next their, you know, make this next step. What do you think they can do to prepare themselves for this change? Would you say, you know, it's more like education across the company about you know the value of customer success is that something that they you know it's something actionable that they can do or what would, what would you suggest yeah so i would say another shameless plug um 
you know, it's not out yet, but I'm actually I'm actually working on a book called Customer Success Beyond the CSM. And the only reason Ooh. I bring this up is because it's super important to recognize that that CSM is only the tip of the iceberg of a customer success organization. And and this is why I'm saying that as as this evolves, I mm-hmm. think that there is a little bit of a paradigm shift. I think if you think about all the work that happens to be able to empower and enable a CSM to engage with the customer. There's a lot of work that happens, at least in my organization, from a data perspective and from a systems and tools perspective, so that when the CSM comes in in the morning and they open up their customer success platform of choice, all their tasks and their visibility of their customer is at their fingertips, right? And so in my case, I actually say that in every engagement and every, in every, I would say in our install base, I have two types of CSMs. I have a human one and I have a virtual one. And so when you start thinking about how we engage with customers, whether we're, you know, we're, we're always going to onboard a customer. In some cases, we're going to do it purely digital. So what does that look like? Yeah. What, what is the data and telemetry that we need to know what this customer purchased? Have they logged in? Have they activated? Like all this has to come together. So really empowering what I call the CS operations team to, you know, have that visibility across the company and have the authority to go in and have these these data sources connected and plugged in is super important. But so to your point, I would say it's it's never been more important now than than ever that a CSM is super aligned with the overall strategy of the company. Because, you know, TSIA talks about this whole belly of the fish, right? As companies enter this transformation, there's going to be huge costs associated to it before they come out the other end and actually become profitable. And it's during that time that the CSMs need to understand that in some cases, it doesn't make sense to push customers to leave the traditional business and move over to the new one because the company is still trying to figure out margins, right? The new SaaS product may actually cannibalize the old traditional business. And so what you're trying to drive is you're kind of kind of keeping the customer warm, improving the experience while they're on the traditional business. And as the company evolves and the product matures and the margins get better, it makes it easier for them to flip over, right? And so that's why it's super important for a CSM to understand that business side of it too, so that they know when to go in and potentially upsell a customer and when to maybe not, right? Because yeah. it may not be revenue positive for you if, yeah, I moved you over the new stuff, but now you're not buying any of the old stuff and that's where we're making the money, right? Yeah. Um, and it kind of comes back to, again, the maturity of the company, the evolution of the product. Is it is it new? Um, or is it existing? How easy is it? So all these things have to come in mind. But I think at the core, the CSMs can never forget there's going to be KPR, uh, KPIs or OKRs that they're measured against. And that's the bottom line is, is what is the CSM supposed to be doing? Are they bringing in reference customers? Are they bringing in expansion? Can I prove that every customer that has a CSM attached to it has a better CSET score and better retention rates versus those that don't, Right. And so being able to have that A-B testing and being able to show that value, because at the end of the day, it's the CSMs you have now that will help you make the case to hire more later. Because if the ones you have now aren't adding value, it's going to be hard for you to justify getting more. Oh, absolutely. 
Oh, thank you so much for that, Carlos. Um, unfortunately, time is not on our side, though, but I really want to talk to a little bit more about, I mean, this whole episode has been about it, but you're going to be coming to San Francisco 20th of September, uh, uh, Customer Success Festival. I'm really, really excited about this. And there's going to be a bunch of other incredible sessions as well. Are there any others that you're looking forward to? Or, you know, what is it about kind of events like this um, that, I don't know. One of the things I love about the customer success industry, it's is a very open community. And so, like I said, I, I'm just I, I'm just looking forward to hearing what others are doing. You know, traditionally, you know, all of us go in and design and build things in bubbles. And yeah, we check with each other once in a while. But to me, these conferences always help um, validate about what we're doing. You know, what mm -hmm. is it aligned with what everybody else is doing? You know, are we a laggard? Are we ahead of things? Are we just crazy? Are we thinking about things wrong? So to me, it's always a good sounding board to listen to what other people are doing. And sometimes it helps to say, you know what, we're not crazy. It looks like we're not the only ones thinking this way. So for me, I'm super excited to, to meet, meet you know, um, some of the folks that I already know and also any new people, because then at the end of the day, there's parts of this that are industry agnostic. And so I'm just super excited to learn from some of the other folks that are going to be there presenting and, and also excited to share kind of, you know, and expand on what we're talking about today, which is, in my opinion, what I see as this evolution of CS and 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 what it means, right? And 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 kind of share with the story of kind of what I'm going through now as you really go in and scale this thing at a at a, at a level I'd never imagined. Oh, it's gonna be an incredible event and particularly your session. I think I don't know. I'm really, really excited to listen to the talk. Um just going to, I think it's going to be really, 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 really crucial for a lot of, lots of CSMs, lots of people I've seen in the, the CSC Slack community, lots of similar questions about this. So I think it's going to, it's going to speak to a lot of people. So I'm um, really excited. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. But thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, you really opened my eyes about a lot of things. And yeah, just an incredible guest with lots to say. But yeah, anyone that's listening, definitely go to your session on the 20th of September. Yeah, yeah, and, and thanks for the time. And, and I'm also excited. And also in the meantime, you know, if, if you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and you can start seeding questions before the event for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll drop your details in the, in the show notes. Don't you worry. But um, thank you so much, Carlos. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out our other episodes and go to customersuccesscollective.com for even more customer success related content. You can also join our global community on Slack and you can find the link to that on the CSC website. But until then, see you next time.